Uh, good morning, everybody. Happy to have you along with us. Uh, we have the second edition of the uh, morning panel for you today, and there is no shortage of issues uh, to get to. There's almost uh, too much. We're not going to touch upon it all. In fact, only two different things. But uh, joining us uh, this morning, our veteran broadcaster, Bob Smith. Uh, good morning, Bob. Hello. Dad. Or retired broadcaster this well, morning. You got, I, I, let's go with retired. Retired? I mean, I'm still doing some fanshaw stuff in the journalism business. Yes. But as far as a broadcaster. Okay. Ah. I'm All right. done. I'm done. I'm out. Retired broadcaster Bob <laughs> Smith and uh, former city councillor and businessman uh, John Fife Miller. Jink, thanks for coming in, John. Hey, I really appreciate it. It's nice to be back in the room here. Yes, it's well, I mean, so I was originally going to do this uh, last week and started last week, but it was March break and, uh, you know, but but last week was going to be the three year anniversary of the pandemic. So it's you know, going to be like, you know, giving a sticking it to the pandemic a little bit, you know. <laughs> we're, we're still about six feet apart. We are still, yeah. We, we're, we're social distancing a little bit, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there's a lot to get to. I, one of the, I want to start by this story with uh, the stabbing, the random stabbing, apparent rabbins, ra- random stabbing, still being investigated uh, by uh, London police. Uh, but this is, I mean, we've had stabbings in London, but this is the type of thing we don't typically see in, in London. It, it, it has a Toronto-esque quality to it in the randomness that we've seen in Toronto as of late. Um, does this does this feel different to you, John? Definitely, yeah. I think I think this is something that you don't normally see in London, and I think that's an important piece, right? I think this is a you know this is definitely a one off incident. It's I think one of the reasons that it got so much hype is because it's the first time we've heard about something like this in London. Uh, really unfortunate uh, that it happened, but I also think it speaks to some vigilance that we have to have in the downtown. You know, I go back to the fact that we're a city of almost half a million people and half a million people draws some big city issues. And I think this is this is one of those issues that we have to be cognizant and aware of no matter how we look at it at the end of the day. We're not a town anymore. London's always been, you know, a larger city that feels like it is a town. We act like we're a town, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's London's identity, I think, is that we're not Toronto. But, um, you know, it's like it's like so many crimes. This this is unusual and it, it certainly gets your attention because you can almost you can visualize yourself in that person's position. You're trapped by a crossing train. So you're not you have nowhere to go and you're not really paying attention to this guy. You know, and all of a sudden he's in your car. Right. And so like you can you can see it happening. But on the other hand. This kind of strikes me as one of those, uh, well, you know, we live in a quiet – I've never thought a town like, uh, you know, uh, Tilbury would see this kind of thing. Like it can happen anywhere and it happened to occur here. But um, yeah, there's a, there's a certain – there's a difference about it and, and it – again, I just think the circumstances of it make it more um, – I don't know. It, it, it's it, it, you put yourself in that person's position more more than a random. I'm doing air quotes here. A yeah. random stabbing uh, from between a couple of people who know each other, or one of those kinds of stories. This is totally random, and so those are the things that scare people because, like, ah, uh, like he didn't do anything. You know, he wasn't a drug dealer. I mean, it would just this happened, right? So. It's made worse by I think social media because you hear these stories. Like, even if it's not in London or Toronto, wherever that you hear like a random attack, and you think, oh, it's happening. Again, but also we've got true crime everywhere. There's true true crime podcasts, true crime uh, on Netflix, and we see it from that. So, so there's people think, oh well, these th- this can happen. Not to downplay what's happened because it's extraordinary in the unusualness of it, but it also I think the day and age kind of adds to part of the what people are feeling right now. Oh, absolutely. I can tell you, I have somebody very close in my life that listens to a lot of true crime. Who, when events like this happen. 
will look at me and say, see, I told you. I told you this sort of thing would happen. And you know what? I think um, I think today we have we have so much access to information, but that information has become so realistic and so believable that we look at instances like this and it's almost to a point now of, okay, there's the first shoe. When's the next shoe going to fall? Where do we go from here at the end of the day? I go back to the fact that I, I think this is a random incident at the end of the day, an extremely unfortunate and extremely scary random incident. But the reality is it's a random incident in a large city that I think other large cities are, are dealing with. And I, and I also want to stress, I don't think this is a downtown issue. This could be a train crossing anywhere. Yeah. And uh, the fact is that it happened uh, on Richmond Street. But But I do think we have to be cognizant of the fact that the problems aren't limited to the downtown. And I think sometimes when we report back and say this is a downtown situation, that people automatically use that as the go-to, that this is the area where – this is ground zero. I can tell you probably 20 years ago it was ground zero. It's not ground zero anymore. There are a lot of issues going on throughout the city. I think the other thing is you have to sort of put all these things into context. It was a one-off in that sense. What are the broader uh, uh, statistics on – violent crime yeah. in society generally and in London specifically. Like it's not – these things don't happen that much. But of course you're going to notice them. You can't not notice them. But I, I always tend to – it's like it's murders in Chicago or something. It's like, oh, there's tons of them. Uh, are they are they actually doubling every year? Probably not. You know, there's a you know, there's an up and down to it. The fact it did happen in the downtown though. I mean we've talked a lot about the downtown. I mean how, what impact does it have on the downtown? I think what it does is it reaffirms to people that choose not to come here why they don't come. Um, at the same point in time, I think people who do come here on a regular basis just see it as an incident at the end of the day. But yeah, I, I would make no mistake. Um, you know, you go to parties and you'll talk to people and people will tell you right out, oh, I don't come downtown anymore. You must get that probably. You work in the heart of the downtown. Let's go to lunch while I don't, you know, you can come out here, but I don't want to go back down there. For those people, this is a solidification of the decision that they've made and that's what they'll use it for. I'm going to say for the average the average individual, a lot of people heard train crossing at the end of the day. They didn't hear downtown. The, the plethora of issues for the downtown, I mean, beyond the stabbing, uh, even talking to different restaurants, it's just office space. You know, not as many people coming back to the office and you know, not as many people going out for lunch. You know, and, or when people go out for lunch at work, it's more of a group activity once as opposed to maybe a couple of day times a day in smaller groups. And so it's there's like downtowns, like in Toronto, I know that's, you know, Mondays and Fridays are apparently slow. Wednesdays are big, but the, 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 the bookends, the weekends are a little bit slower in Toronto anyway. Well, John would, would, would have a much greater knowledge of this, but you're right about commercial space. What about residential? We're seeing a lot of people moving downtown, living downtown. I know people who've lived in the suburbs or they've lived in Strathroy or whatever, and now they're living in a high-rise here in downtown London, and they're popping up all over the place. Um, so we are getting people downtown. Once you're living there, then you're wandering around, and then you've got, again, you've got more accessibility for bikes. And I don't know. I'm not I'm not all that down on downtown. I mean, I get walking down Dundas Street at certain times of the day and being – inconvenienced by some people but that, that's the more people are down there the less that's happening and we're, more people are living downtown i i would agree i i think um i think too back to your point make no mistake on the on the small mama pop shops 
the fact that business people aren't back into their offices full time is having a real hindrance on business in the downtown core. Um, you know, I personally think either through downtown London or the city, what we need to do is start to reassess what our downtown looks like today and what's it going to look like in two years, five years from now. You know, you go back to 2014 when the BIA did their survey, there was 55,000 people a day that came into our downtown. That number dropped to 39,000 in 2018. So that's still post or that's pre-pandemic. Today, how many are we getting? 10,000? I don't know. But we need to get an idea. And it goes back to your statement on um, in Toronto. Mondays and Fridays are soft. But when you look at businesses and restaurants especially, when are they opening for lunch? They're tending to open on a Thursday, Friday. So they're opening during the softest time when people are here. So does that make sense? Or should they should they be looking at that timeline and saying, you know what? Friday is not working for us, but why aren't we opening for lunch on a Wednesday? If that's when if that's when businesses are telling us this is when our core group of people are going to be in, you want to hit that core group. But I think we need to get an idea of that stat because we all know COVID wasn't a light switch. And in 2023, we turned that light switch back on and everything went back to normal. There are far reaching effects from that. And I think empty business seats are one of those. Continuing on with the morning panel, joined this week by, or joined today by, uh, former uh, city councillor and businessman uh, John Fife Miller and retired broadcaster Bob Smith. A certain ring to it. Thanks uh, <laughs> to you both uh, for coming in. Uh, I want to talk about uh, uh, Han, Hang Dong, uh, this story involving the uh, Canadian MP, or a liberal MP who uh, resigned from caucus uh, last, uh, last night, liberal caucus, following a global news uh, report uh, that in 2021, uh, he talked to the uh, China, China Consul General, uh, advising them to hold off or delay a bit the uh, release of the two Michaels, which is an explosive uh, report and is leading to further calls for a public inquiry in this country. Um, I guess just your general reaction uh, to the to the story first. Well, uh, <laughs> it's a story, all right. Um, I, mean, I couldn't have expected this to have been the turn that the story would take, but I knew there was going to be another turn to this story. Yeah. And this one is about as dramatic as it gets. Now, he says he didn't say what he's alleged to have said. Um, on the other hand, he is trying to do some damage control for the liberals by sitting as an independent. Um, I, we don't know. As you said earlier off air, I mean – Global doesn't do this story without having 15 lawyers up and down both sides of it and through the middle and making sure that anything they say isn't going to wind up in court for them. But on the other hand, he says he didn't do it. Okay, let's assume he didn't. He's still damaged goods right now. So to me, it's this thing about I'm going to step aside sort of for the good of the party. We'll do no good for the party. (laughs) I think if I'm him, even if I'm innocent, I'm probably going to step down today and just He's yeah. out of the way now, and then we continue on with the investigation. And I think there will be a, a more formal investigation of what was going on as opposed to the rapporteur that nobody had ever heard of until a week and a half ago. Uh, <laughs> the special rapporteur, by the way, which is going to report back in May. So yeah. this is all a delay a delay tactic for May? It's a quick rapporteur thing. Bob, I couldn't have said any better than that. I, I would agree with you um, – whether or not he steps down, um, politicians and I can talk from experience are interesting beasts at the end of the day. Um, you said, that it, you know, damage control for the liberals 100 percent. 
But there's respect there for your constituents and the damage control for your constituents. And unfortunately, these conversations so often become about party and don't become about who we represent at the end of the day. Um, so echoing your comments, if he wants to do it for his constituents, he steps down, lets everything take place the way that it has to and gets the respect of his constituents for doing that. If he doesn't, you know what? That respect is gone. The timing of it all is is very interesting. We have the uh, U.S. President Joe Biden coming uh, to to Canada tonight, staying overnight, going to speak to Parliament uh, tomorrow. And uh, I wonder if Justin Trudeau's thinking about that or he's thinking about uh, this. I imagine uh, Joe Biden's uh, visit all of a sudden not as uh, huge on his uh, agenda as it once was. But it does make you think about the Canada-United States relationship. We, under uh, the Trump administration, did not have a good relationship. Uh, Democratic presidents tend to be somewhat, you know, protectionist. People kind of give, you know, Democrats a pass sometimes. They don't think of – because Joe Biden is very much by America – as we would be by Canada, it's you know I, I can't really necessarily slight him for that, but we saw during the pandemic when everything closed down, we were in kind of a tough spot. So I wonder if Canada is almost too reliant on the United States, or is it just kind of the nature of the beast given the proximity to to the United States? That's one thing that's never changed, and never will. Uh, you know, I mean, the other, I guess, the, the, for switching over to the sort of the Biden visit in a sense, um, clearly the relationship is in better shape today than it was, say, two years ago um, because, you know, Trump's thing was to just pick fights with everybody. And so Trudeau is just one of his many. But, I mean, historically, it's been a pretty friendly relationship between the two and we argue about specifics. And I think he's going to do what Trump did except in a softer way and say, you need to spend more money on your defense. You know, I mean, that's always an issue uh, with American presidents. You know, Trump was just a little more coarse about it. But it's the same thing. It's the same message. Um, but you're right. Like, what a distraction. You know, you've, you're gearing up for this first and only probably visit by the president of the United States. <laughs> and now you've got this, which did involve the United States at the time. You know, so I don't know. It's a <laughs> – things have a way of colliding. <laughs> they do. You really don't want them to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would agree. It's um... – I always see when, when when you get a president coming to Canada, it's like you're a strange big brother coming to a funeral. Yeah. You haven't seen him in a long time, <laughs> but as soon as he gets there, he wants to tell you how to run things, right? And and I always find that's a, that's a U.S. piece. You know, uh, you talk about Trump. Trump was very in your face. Trump had no problem coming out and talking to you and telling you what he expected from you in a group of people find the Democrats are much more apt to do that quietly behind a closed door. But I always think the messaging is going to be pretty much the same. And I, and I think with Joe Biden, you saw that. Again, you look at, you look at the um, Buy America piece. Trump really pushed that. It was something Biden never took away, really. Biden, no. Biden was quite happy to run with that the way that it was. I think the biggest challenge, and I think from the average everyday individual – still is that free trade piece. And what's that free trade piece look like? Because we really don't have that at the end of the day. I think there's a lot of talk about it, but it, but it's simply not there. Um, do we have other countries that we can that we can do business with? I, th- I think definitely on a global scale. I think there's lots of other countries out there. The challenge is these are our immediate neighbors. It's easy to move product. It's easy to fit in. Um, there's no language barriers, for instance, and so on and so forth. So do I see that going away anytime quickly? I don't, but I do think at some point in time we need to get a little stronger. 
Maybe they should uh, do a little bonding exercise, go out together and shoot a balloon down uh, just for old time's sake. <laughs> <laughs> you first, buddy. <laughs> uh, that's our time for the morning panel. Thanks to you both for coming in. We'll take a break. When we come back, more of uh, the morning show with Devin Peacock on 980 CFPL.